Let's dig into the scripture lessons this morning, reading first of all from the Gospel of Luke, that familiar passage from which we can always get something new. When the angels had left the shepherds and gone into heaven, they said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph, and the baby was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And these words from the letter of Titus. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Then finally, these words from Paul's letter to the Colossians. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. And so we have celebrated the birth of Christ on Christmas Eve. We pulled out all the stops and we sang joy to the world. We heard the great words proclaimed for unto us this day is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And now that Christmas has come, what are we going to do with it? There's Christmas Eve, there's Christmas Day, and now we find ourselves three days past Christmas. And the question before us is, now what? Now what are we going to do? Different people see Christmas in different ways. The way we see it will will determine what we do with Christmas. In fact, we can identify three groups who respond to Christmas in three different ways. There are those who react with sadness when Christmas is over. I know some people who look forward to it all year. In fact, they're looking forward to Christmas even in the middle of January. These are the people who will visit the Christmas shop in the middle of the summer and they will buy ornaments and they will leave the store singing Christmas carols. They love Christmas from the moment the season starts till the moment it ends. They love everything about it, the candles and the carols and the, and, uh, the shopping for presents, the trees lit, the stockings hung. And then on December 26th, they wonder where Christmas went. It happened all too fast. I mean, from Thanksgiving to Christmas, it just seemed like two days, and then boom, all is over. Christmas goes back into boxes in the attic, and the wrapping paper and ribbons get tucked away for the next year. The once beautiful Christmas tree is now stuffed into the Scouts recycling bin. You've looked forward to Christmas all year, and now it's over, and you're not quite sure what to do with yourself. Now, some of the folks in this group love Christmas not so much 
for the eternal truth that it proclaims, but rather the warm feelings it evokes. I fear that this group, many in this group, get high on all the trappings of Christmas, the warm glow and the good cheer and so on. But sooner or later, the, the lights come, come down, and before you know it, know it, it's back to the real world. And nothing has really changed. It was all kind of a nice escape for a while. It was one big party, and then it's over. And the end of Christmas inevitably brings a, a kind of a letdown. Like children who tear through their presents on, on Christmas morning and come to the end, the members of this group ask, is that all there is? Now what? They may even find themselves singing with Faith Hill in how or the Grinch who stole Christmas. You know the song. I won't sing it for you. Where are you, Christmas? Why can't I find you? Why have you gone away? Where is the laughter you used to bring me? Why can't I hear music play? This first group is sad. Christmas is over. The post-holiday blues hits. And I wonder if that is how some of you are leaving the major scene this year, just kind of feeling sad, kind of let down. But maybe God has more in mind for you than an experience of a yearly lift followed by a letdown. So if the first group is sad that Christmas is over, the second group is glad when Christmas is over. There are some who don't even like it. You know, bah humbug. Some people hate all the commotion that goes with it, and, you know, you have to buy presents, and you have to spend your hard-earned money, and, and uh, you know, people are so impatient, and, and, and there's traffic, and, and, you know, all that stuff. And then, you know, then all those bills come due in January. What a downer. So for them, the season is one big hassle. And they always feel a little bit of relief when Christmas is over. And I just wonder if maybe even Mary and Joseph felt a little bit of relief after all the commotion surrounding the Christmas birth, the first Christmas, you know? What with all those angels singing all the time and the wise men coming and the, the shepherds coming and probably over, overstaying, you know, their welcome. And then all those cows, the cattle mooing. And then there's that infernal little drummer boy who kept pa-rump-a-pump-pumming constantly, constantly would have driven them nuts. So I have a feeling that Mary and Joseph were glad when everybody went away. Sometimes pastors and uh, worship leaders and musicians are kind of glad Christmas is over and the church can kind of get back into a more regular schedule. And then there are those, like me, who are glad that Christmas is over because I don't want to hear one more time, Santa Baby. <laughs> Santa Baby on Christmas radio on Pandora, I swear it was every fourth song. I heard it too much. It's my least favorite Christmas song of all time. I hope I didn't offend anybody, but... The Santa Baby is a, <laughs> the closing song. Oh, man. And then, uh, and then there are others, too, who are glad that Christmas is over uh, uh, because uh, Christmas has a tendency, as you know, to highlight 
or to, you know, to bring forth loneliness. It, it increases loneliness. And uh, absences are felt more keenly, loved ones who are no longer at the table and, and so on. Uh, you know, and there's this atmosphere of cheer and joy when inwardly you may be facing all kinds of issues and troubles and problems and you're just not with it. And so Christmas, you know, can make that worse for people. And I think we all need to be, to be sensitive to that. And, uh, and then, too, uh, there's something about Christmas that brings stress out in families. And uh, families, all the dysfunction of families tends to come out at Christmas. I don't know if you've noticed that sometimes, but if it makes you feel better, every family is dysfunctional. Did you know that? There's always an issue. There's a problem somewhere. Every family is dysfunctional. One thing that I've noticed as a pastor, as I've observed, uh, is that family dysfunction really starts to come out at funerals and at weddings and at Christmas time. And then all that stress, you know, and who's going where and all the jealousies and, you know, different ways, different expressions of what Thanksgiving should be and all that stuff just makes it hard for people. So those folks, they're glad Christmas is over. They don't have to deal with it anymore. Back to real life. It comes as a relief. So I wonder if that's how you feel coming away from the manger this year. Thank God that's over. (laughs) But then there are those who respond to Christmas a third way, another way, and I think it's best represented by the shepherds of old. If the first group is sad when Christmas ends and the second group is glad it's over, this third group, like the shepherds, carry the message of Christmas into their lives. It affects how they live. And the shepherds return, says Scripture, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. And you can bet that after that visit to the manger, after that visit to the Christ child, those shepherds came away different people. They went back to their flocks, they went back to their jobs, but they were different because of Christmas. They returned changed people, and they began to actually live Christmas, to do the work of Christmas. There's a Peanuts cartoon where Lucy comes up to Charlie Brown and says, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. Since it's the time of the season, it's time to bury our differences and be kind to one another. And Charlie Brown replies, well, why does it have to be this time of the season? Why can't it be all year long? Lucy gives Charlie Brown a very strange look and and says, what are you, some kind of fanatic? And that's what the shepherds were, I believe. They came away from the manger kind of like fanatics in that they lived Christmas. They came away changed. They were different because of the Christ child. And those shepherds were outcasts in society. They were people of low estate. Uh, They were in, uh, in terms of the society of that day, those people really didn't matter. And it's always cause of wonder that the angels should proclaim the message of Christ's birth, first of all, to the shepherds, to the outcasts, people of no account. And you can imagine what it must have been like for those shepherds to have felt accepted and valued and loved for the first time. It was the love of Christ which melted their hearts 
and they sought to live for Him the rest of their lives. Go tell it on the mountain, not just in words, but in deeds, in the way one lives. The letter of Titus reinforces the idea that, that Christmas ought to lead to a changed life. So let's read from Titus, reading this time from uh, the message. God's readiness to give and forgive is now public. Salvation is available for everyone. We're being shown how to turn our backs on a godless, indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. This new life is starting right now and is whetting our appetites for the glorious day when our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, appears. He offered himself as a sacrifice to free us from a dark, rebellious life into this good, pure life, making us a people he can be proud of, energetic in goodness. So if a visit to the manger does not lead to a new manner of life, If it doesn't make a difference in the way we live, in the way that we treat people, in the way we approach life, if all the singing and the celebrating and the preaching has not changed us, then what are we doing in church? I mean, why should we bother? We might as well just close up shop. Christmas is all about life change. Irma Bombeck, some of you may remember Irma Bombeck. People my age will remember Irma Bombeck, I'm a humorist and commentator. Um, She once complained, how come the older I get, the lousier I feel at Christmas? She says, you know, Christmas doesn't last. When Christmas is over, people who brought toys to children will no longer care. People who fed the poor will disappear. Carolers to the aged will fade from sight. Stories of caring and sharing will vanish. Bells will stop ringing. Light will no longer shimmer as a beacon of hope, and we will go back to things the way they were. Which is kind of strange for Irma Bombeck to say because she was always such a funny person and such a positive person, and yet she says, you know, Christmas, you know, it doesn't change anything. But it doesn't have to be that way. It ought not to be so. The message of Luke Chapter 2, verse 20 is simple. And they returned praising and glorifying God for all they had seen and heard. So that like the shepherds who discovered something life-changing, you and I are to return to our place of work, to our family, to our homes, to our friends, to our relationships, to our particular situations, and we we return to glorify God, to honor God, not only in what we say, but in what we do, in how we live. We ought to return with a new sense of meaning and purpose in our lives. It's because Christmas is real. It impacts the real world. It ought to be a life-changing event and truth. Now, one of the big movies in the theaters uh, this week is Unbroken, and uh, I have not yet seen the movie Um, but I've read the book, and I would recommend that you read the book. It's not easy to read because of all the terrible things that Louis Zamperini had to go through, but if you remember, it's the story of the Olympic runner who won gold medal, uh, shook Hitler's hand in Berlin, and uh, entered into the military, and his bomber was shot down, and he spent, you know, 47 days in the ocean on a raft, Um, and, uh, and then he was 
captured by the Japanese, and he spent, uh, what, two years in a Japanese prisoner of war camp, and there was one guard in particular that had it out for him and beat him up every chance he could get. And it was just, uh, you know, it was amazing that he even survived. Uh, and I don't think I'm spoiling the movie to tell you that he does survive. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. That's true. Um, and I guess the movie is worth seeing. I haven't seen it yet, but it, it's more about the ordeal. And, but it's not so much about what happens afterwards, but it's what happens afterwards, which is the real story, this, the story that has not really been told very well. Uh, and that is he came back from the war. He survived by the skin of his teeth, basically. And, uh, and uh, while he was on the raft, uh, you know, 47 days, he had made a promise to God that, that he would serve God uh, if he was to survive. Um, but he kind of forgot about that promise. He came back into, into uh, life after the, uh, the war ended. And his life, as he says, was a, was a mess. Um, he had nightmares of that prison guard beating him up. Uh, terrible nightmares. Every night he'd wake up with, this, with these images, you know, post-traumatic stress syndrome. Uh, uh, his relationship with his wife, his beautiful wife, began to deteriorate. And uh, he began to drink uh, to escape, but, the, you know, the, the escape was only mo momentary as he drank. And uh, he really began to spiral down. But then his wife uh, happened to, to uh, go to a a tent camp meeting, I guess you could say, in downtown L.A., and had heard a message from an evangelist. And she became a Christian. She gave her life to Christ, and she had intended to divorce Louis Zamperini, but since she gave her life to Christ, she told him that she would not divorce him. Uh, and then Louis Zamperini then came to that tent on, an, on another night and heard the evangelist, and he was resistant at first. And, of course, that evangelist was none other than Billy Graham, who was not famous at the time, but, uh, in fact, he was just starting out. Um, and, uh, you know, Billy Graham preached the simple, the simple gospel of, of how Jesus Christ ultimately is the answer to one's deepest problems. And, and in the end, Louis Zamperini gave his life to Christ so that Louis Zamperini experienced Christmas for the first time. God not only with us, but God in us. Uh, and that was a life-changing experience for him. He gave his life to Christ, uh, and uh, he then testifies that thereon, thereafter, he no longer had a nightmare. He began to put his life together uh, his relationship with his wife was repaired, uh, and then he began to uh, do mission work, actually. He worked with youth in L.A., and, uh, and his, his life was night and day, transformed almost immediately. And then, you know, it's, that's not true. Everybody has their own story about Christ and how Christ works, but for him it was night and day. He gave his life to Christ. But in that instant, you know, Christmas, Christmas, the reality of Christmas, God with us, God the Savior who saves us from our sins, that really finally hit home with Louis Zamperini, and, and he was never the same again. And uh, now uh, Louis Zamperini, I guess, died just a few months ago at the age of 94, 
but he continued to be a great uh, witness to Christ in his life. And that's the part that's not really told in the movie, I guess, but it's told in the book. So, uh, so re read the book. Uh, it's, it's really good. Christmas ought to change us. The reality of Christmas should change us. There's an old story from the lives of the saints. Uh, you've all heard of St. Anthony. He was known as a truly devout man, but one day he heard of someone who was even more devout. So he searched for this man uh, to learn the secret of his life, and St. Anthony discovered that he was a cobbler. He was a shoemaker in a neighboring village. So St. Anthony found him and asked him, what is the secret of your devout life? And the man answered, well, I have no secret, but I'll tell you what I do. I make shoes, and every shoe I make, I make for Jesus Christ. Everything I make, I make for Jesus Christ. Everything I do, I do to honor Christ. And is that what you think as you go about your daily round, as you find yourself uh, at uh, your place of work, at your desk, at your computer station, and in the, in the warehouse, in the, in the bank, uh, as you cook a meal, as you balance somebody's checkbook? Whatever I do, I do it to honor God. Whatever you do, says Paul, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that really is the only fitting response to Christmas. It was the response of the shepherds. They returned from the manger to live Christmas 365 days a year. So if some are sad that Christmas is over and others are glad it's over, there are still others who carry the message of Christmas into their lives, glorifying God in word and deed for all that they have seen and heard. It's what happens after Christmas that makes all the difference. It was Howard Thurman who said it well. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among brothers, to make music in the heart. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, every year we celebrate Christmas. And it seems that so many Christmases are the same. Some of us feel kind of let down, that it wasn't what it should have been. And other, others of us are kind of relieved that life can go on now as usual, all the hoopla about that. And yet, Lord, um, we pray that this year it would be different, that having been to the manger, we would now do the work of Christmas, that we would live for you, that we would glorify and honor you in all that we do. Lord, make us uh, aware of, of that, of, of your presence and of our need to make you smile. You, may that be our goal, Lord, to make you smile, to make you proud, I guess you could say. We might be truly energetic in the way that we live for you. So may it be. 
In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.